Chapter One of the Book of Saints and Friendly Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. The Book of Saints and Friendly Beasts by Abby Farwell Brown. Chapter One St. Bridget and the King's Wolf. Everyone has heard of Bridget, the little girl saint of Ireland. Her name is almost as well known as that of St. Patrick, who drove all the snakes from the island. St. Bridget had long golden hair, and she was very beautiful. Many wonderful things happened to her that are written in famous books. But I suspect that you never heard what she did about the king's wolf. It is a queer story. This is how it happened. The King of Ireland had a tame wolf which some hunters had caught for him when it was a wee baby. And this wolf ran around as it pleased in the King's Park near the palace and had a very good time. But one morning he got over the high wall which surrounded the park and strayed a long distance from home which was a foolish thing to do. For in those days wild wolves were hated and feared by the people whose cattle they often stole. And if a man could kill a wicked wolf, he thought himself a very smart fellow indeed. Moreover, the king himself had offered a prize to any man who should bring him a dead wolf, for he wanted his kingdom to be a peaceful, happy one, where the children could play in the woods all day without fear of big eyes or big teeth. Of course, you can guess what happened to the king's wolf. A big, silly country fellow was going along with his bow and arrows when he saw a great brown beast leap over a hedge and dash into the meadow beyond. It was only the king's wolf running away from home and feeling very frisky because it was the first time that he had done such a thing. But the country fellow did not know all that. Aha! he said to himself, I'll soon have you, my fine wolf, and the king will give me a gold piece that will buy me a hat and a new suit of clothes for the holidays. And without stopping to think about it or to look closely at the wolf, who had the king's mark upon his ear, the fellow shot his arrow straight as a string. The king's wolf gave one great leap into the air and then fell dead on the grass, poor fellow. The countryman was much pleased. He dragged his prize straight up to the king's palace and thumped on the gate. Open, he cried, open to the valiant hunter who has shot a wolf for the king. Open that I may go in to receive the reward. So very respectfully they bade him enter and the Lord Chamberlain escorted him before the king himself, who sat on a great red velvet throne in the hall. In came the fellow, dragging after him by the tail the limp body of the king's wolf. "'What have we here?' growled the king, as the Lord Chamberlain gave a low bow and pointed with his staff to the stranger. The king had a bad temper and did not like to receive callers in the morning. But the silly countryman was too vain of his great deed to notice the king's disagreeable frown. 
"'You have here a wolf, sire,' he said proudly. "'I have shot for you a wolf, and I come to claim the promised reward.' But at this unlucky moment the king started up with an angry cry. He had noticed his mark on the wolf's right ear. "'Ho! Seize the villain!' he shouted to his soldiers. "'He has slain my tame wolf. He has shot my pet. Away with him to prison, and to-morrow he dies!' It was useless for the poor man to scream and cry and tried to explain that it was all a mistake. The king was furious. His wolf was killed, and the murderer must die. In those days this was the way kings punished men who displeased them in any way. There were no delays. Things happened very quickly. So they dragged the poor fellow off to a dark, damp dungeon, and left him there howling and tearing his hair, wishing that wolves had never been saved from the flood by Noah and his ark. Now, not far from this place, little St. Bridget lived. When she chose the beautiful spot for her home, there were no houses near, only a great oak tree under which she built her little hut. It had but one room, and the roof was covered with grass and straw. It seemed almost like a doll's playhouse, it was so small, and Bridget herself was like a big golden-haired wax doll, the prettiest doll you ever saw. She was so beautiful and so good that people wanted to live near her, where they could see her sweet face often and hear her voice. When they found where she had built her cell, men came flocking from all the country round about with their wives and children and their household goods, their cows and pigs and chickens, and camping on the green grass under the great oak tree, they said, We will live here too, where St. Bridget is. So house after house was built, and a village grew up about her little cell, and for a name it had Kildare, which in Irish means cell of the oak. Soon Kildare became so fashionable that even the king must have a palace and a park there. And it was in this park that the king's wolf had been killed. Now Bridget knew the man who had shot the wolf, and when she heard into what terrible trouble he had fallen, she was very sorry, for she was a kind-hearted little girl. She knew he was a silly fellow to shoot the tame wolf, but still it was all a mistake and she thought he ought not to be punished so severely. She wished that she could do something to help him, to save him if possible. But this seemed difficult, for she knew what a bad temper the king had, and she also knew how proud he had been of that wolf, who was the only tame one in all the land. Bridget called for her coachman with her chariot and pair of white horses, and started for the king's palace, wondering what she could do to satisfy the king and make him release the man who had meant to do no harm. But, lo and behold, as the horses galloped along over the Irish bogs of peat, St. Bridget saw a great white shape racing towards her. At first she thought it was a dog, but no, no dog was as large as that. 
she soon saw that it was a wolf with big eyes and with a red tongue lolling out of his mouth at last he overtook the frightened horses and with a flying leap came plump into the chariot where bridget sat and crouched at her feet quietly as a dog would he was no tame wolf but a wild one who had never before felt a human being's hand upon him yet he let bridget pat and stroke him and say nice things into his great ear and he kept perfectly still by her side until the chariot rumbled up to the gate of the palace then bridget held out her hand and called to him and the great white beast followed her quietly through the gate and up the stairs and down the long hall until they stood before the red velvet throne where the king sat looking stern and sulky they must have been a strange-looking pair the little maiden with her green gown and her golden hair falling like a shower down to her knees and the huge white wolf standing up almost as tall as she his yellow eyes glaring fiercely about and his red tongue panting bridget laid her hand gently on the beast's head which was close to her shoulder and bowed to the king the king only sat and stared he was so surprised at the sight but bridget took that as a permission to speak you have lost your tame wolf o king she said but i have brought you a better there is no other tame wolf in all the land now yours is dead but look at this one there is no white wolf to be found anywhere and he is both tame and white i have tamed him my king i a little maiden have tamed him so that he is gentle as you see look i can pull his big ears and he will not snarl look i can put my little hand into his great red mouth and he will not bite sire i give him to you spare me then the life of the poor silly man who unwittingly killed your poor beast give his stupid life to me in exchange for this dear amiable wolf and she smiled pleadingly the king sat staring first at the great white beast wonderfully pleased with the look of him then at the beautiful maiden whose blue eyes looked so wistfully at him and he was wonderfully pleased with the look of them too then he bade her tell him the whole story how she had come by the creature and when and where now when she had finished he first whistled in surprise then he laughed that was a good sign he was wonderfully pleased with st bridget's story also it was so strange a thing for the king to laugh in the morning that the chamberlain nearly fainted from surprise and bridget felt sure that she had won her prayer never had the king been seen in such a good humor for he was a vain man and it pleased him mightily to think of owning all for himself this huge beast whose like was not in all the land and whose story was so marvelous and when bridget looked at him so beseechingly he could not refuse those sweet blue eyes the request which they made for fear of seeing them fill with tears so as bridget begged 
he pardoned the countryman and gave his life to Bridget, ordering his soldiers to set him free from prison. Then, when she had thanked the king very sweetly, she bade the wolf lie down beside the red velvet throne, and thenceforth be faithful and kind to his new master. And with one last pat upon his shaggy head, she left the wolf and hurried out to take away the silly countryman in her chariot before the king should have time to change his mind. The man was very happy and grateful, but she gave him a stern lecture on the way home, advising him not to be so hasty and so wasty next time. Sir, stupid, she said as she set him down by his cottage gate. Better not kill at all than take the lives of poor tame creatures. I have saved your life this once, but next time you will have to suffer. Remember, it is better that two wicked wolves escape than that one kind beast be killed. We cannot afford to lose our friendly beasts, Master Stupid. We can better afford to lose a blundering fellow like you. And she drove away to her cell under the oak, leaving the silly man to think over what she had said and to feel much ashamed. But the king's new wolf lived happily ever after in the palace park, and Bridget came often to see him, so that he had no time to grow homesick or lonesome. End of chapter 1